Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 1012, Monday morning, 7th day of August, 2023. Bruce Siski Show on KDAL. Good to have you with us this morning. We'll recap the weekend in just a little bit. A good one for the Twins. We got football this week. What? Yeah, I know. All that going on and more. Joining us first to start things off, talk some hockey from the Duluth News Tribune, therinklive.com. Matt Wellens, good morning. Good morning, Bruce. Welcome back, I guess might be apropos. Uh, the only thing that broke while you were gone is the NCHC expansion, so that's not too bad. Yeah, and uh, I had heard whispers. It seemed like with uh, Arizona State to the NCHC, there was enough smoke coming out of the desert that uh, there was obviously a fire there. And uh, thankfully, I have tremendous colleagues at the Rink Live and the Grand Forks Herald, and heck, even if I had been working then, we were going to let Brad Schlossman was going to have that story, right? Brad's been yeah. over it. I've been talking to him a little bit about it for a while. I mean, it, it, it's not a huge surprise anymore that Arizona State's finally coming to the NCHC. All you have to do is look at the snow total in the <laughs> NCHC. And, I mean, Bruce, you and I were in Kalamazoo during what was like record snowfall for them. One of the biggest blizzards those people had had um, in, in some of their lifetimes, uh, as I said, that was like Uper BS that we were dealing uh, lake effect that we were dealing with that weekend. So that was probably when Cal- when Western Michigan said yes, give, give us Arizona State. Um, you know, St. Cloud, Duluth, and Grand Forks obviously broke down as the winter moved along. So if everyone's wondering, hey, what is it? I haven't got anyone to confirm that, by the way. Um, but I, I, I'm pretty sure the record snowfall. I know it wore on me. Like I'm. At one point, I would have told you, man, I feel uneasy about adding Arizona State to 19, but after that winter, give me Arizona State. I would have taken them this season. I don't care how much it would have screwed up the schedule. Yeah. Just uh, give me someplace warm. Yeah. After that Kalamazoo trip. That Kalamazoo trip. Pat Fershweiler looked at me and said, and he's lived there more than half his life, I've never seen this before here. And I'm like, of course it has to happen while we're there. Well, it was while I was there. Like, I felt like I had gone back to Marquette for the weekend or something. <laughs> but we were in Houghton. That was a Uper-level yeah. snow that um, Lake Michigan uh, dumped on on uh, the lower peninsula that weekend. Um, that is what it's like to live in the UP right there for, for an entire winter. Imagine that, like, once a month in the UP, so... Uh, yeah, and all the snow we had here in Duluth, give us Arizona State. We're ready. I'm with you, 100%. Uh, so the news last week, and this is also I, – I, I said on the air, I'm not, I'm not stunned by this. The timing's not ideal. What we knew this was a possibility when Katie Stone retired on June 6th that uh, Laura Bellamy is going to be heading out to Harvard to become the head coach. Uh, first off, you got wind of it, uh, and, and then it happened, and you and I haven't chatted it really at all since then. Uh, your thoughts, your reaction to the news that Laura Bellamy's heading back out east? Yeah, I don't think stunned at, at all. You know, I think we had talked maybe before I 
I left on uh, uh, my parental leave, uh, family expansion leave, as, as, as we'll call it there. Um, first off, I'd like to thank everyone at Harvard for waiting until I got back. Um, you made a couple calls. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I made some calls, you know. Um, just speaks to how great Laura Bellamy was to, to work with uh, over the last eight years, uh, that she made sure that uh, didn't come out until I, I came back from leave. So uh, thanks, Lou, uh, a, a lot for, for that. If you're listening online, back out in, in uh, Boston now. But, um, yeah, I don't think it's a, a huge surprise. I guess the question we had, Bruce, was because of the way Katie Stone went out with the investigation and the allegations that, that came out of, of, you know, intimidation and hazing and mental abuse and an indifference to injuries and all that stuff, you wondered, was Harvard going to hire anyone from his past? But that would really limit the pool, wouldn't it? Like, um, you know, one name, I think the top, any other time, the top two candidates for that job are Laura Bellamy and Maura Kroll, no question. Um, Julie Chu also kind of popped into my head. Harvard alum has had, had great success north of the border with Concordia there, working with um, Carolyn Allette. But, you know, do they want to come to the United States? I don't know. I, I think Laura Bellamy is the right hire for, for that job. If you're looking for someone to, to turn things around, a former player, um, you know, she was a captain. A lot of people speak highly of her. She's going to have questions to answer because some of those allegations did, you know, kind of overlap with her time as a captain. But, you know, UMD in, in their eight years, and I think especially over the last four or five years with, with Gabby Hughes and such, uh, making it a, you know, bringing it into the spotlight, mental health was a huge emphasis for, for the Bulldogs. And they took it seriously. They've made, you know, they made a difference in that field, made it a topic of conversation um, in, in the sport, not just you know, in women's hockey, but maybe all of hockey, um, especially in youth hockey in Minnesota. Um, I, I think Laura is going to be able to, to not only turn that program around competitively, because they have not been, they've not been great the last seven seasons, over eight years. They, they missed a year because of COVID-19. Um, I think maybe culture, I, I hope culturally she's able to, to turn things uh, around there at at Harvard as, as well. It seems especially as of late, um, things have been dicey there. As at UMD, she became an associate coach. She worked a lot with the goaltenders. Obviously, that's her background. She worked a lot with the defense. And she was also the recruiting coordinator. And, you know, what I saw was a dogged, grinding-type recruiter. She worked so hard at that, and, and she took a lot of pride in the players that she was bringing into the program and, and their ability to develop those players. So I look at, at, at taking that back out to Harvard, and what Harvard needs right now to me, Matt, is exactly what Laura Bellamy is. She is somebody who will not stop working when it comes to recruiting. She will identify the types of players that they need to bring in, that they can bring in, that want to be there and want to be part of that thing going forward, the solution going forward. It might take some time because it's it, it looks like it's pretty well torn down to the studs, but I, I think she's going to do very well there. Yeah, it was interesting when, when her and I were, were talking uh, the other night. She had mentioned, you know, um, what her and Maura were able to do in, in eight seasons at, at UMD, that it took some time. 
and it took longer than I think they initially thought it would. Um, even if a program is left in, in decent shape, and, uh, you know, Shannon Miller and company, while they didn't have a ton of recruits lined up, um, they left some pretty good pieces in place when Mora and, and Laura took over and, and Sid Morin and Laura Stalder and Maddie Rooney was coming in and, and such. There were some, some good players in those early teams. Um, it still takes time for you to put your team in place, your players that, you know, identify with you, and, and it just takes a while to put that stamp on a program. So she had kind of mentioned, I hope, eight years from now, not like three or four years from now, but eight years from now, that she's able to do at Harvard what, what her and Mora were able to do uh, in, in eight seasons here in Duluth. So it is going to take some time. I mean, Harvard is um, – I wasn't here. You and I, I think, were both on the road that weekend when the, the Crimson played yep. the UMD women here at, at, at Amsoil Arena. But, Everything I heard from, uh, I believe, both um, Adele and Jack, my family, were at that game. Uh, we got a Harvard uh, alum here at the DNT who, who showed up to the game. And, and from what I heard, Harvard looked rough. Now, we've seen in the ECAC, both in men and women, and those Ivy League teams, they took a hit not playing during the, the COVID-19 pandemic. And I don't blame any of them for sitting out that season. Uh, it was crazy for anyone to take part in it. Um, and everything and the hoops everyone had to jump through. But, you know, that, that, that set those programs back. Um, so they're, they're recovering from that, too. And, and, I mean, Harvard just hasn't been the same, Bruce, I, I think, since Maura Kroll and Laura Bellamy left. I mean, you look at the last eight years, just the one NCAA tournament appearance, and that game was against UMD, and it, it, it wasn't close. Gabby Hughes and the Bulldogs dismantled Harvard in that NCAA tournament game. It wasn't close. Um, there's a gap right now between, I think, all of the ECAC, by the way, and the WCHA. That's another thing uh, Laura Bellamy is going to have to overcome. But she knows where the team needs to go, right? Like, I think that might be a bit of the, the trouble in the ECAC at times is I don't know if they all realize out there how big that gap is. I mean, Clarkson came here, and I was or came to, you know, Minnesota here again for another NCAA tournament first round game and the gap between the Bulldogs and Clarkson which is this is best of the ECAC versus yeah. best of the WCHA it, it was a wide gap it wasn't a close game um, so it'll be interesting to see she's not only has to bring Harvard back to the top of the ECAC but find a way to close that gap and, and put them back um, you know in the, in the national spotlight we've seen Northeastern be able to do it uh, now and, and we'll see what, what Harvard can can do with, with Laura Bellamy over the next, I guess, eight years is what she's, you know, six to eight years um, what they're going to be able to do. This is uh, Matt Wallens, the Luton News Tribune, our guest TheRingLive.com as well. Uh, this is conjecture because I, 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 I messaged Laura. We went back and forth very briefly last week. Uh, I know you talked to her. I don't, I don't know if this topic came up, but it's something I've thought about when it comes to the gap because it, it does feel like that gap, if nothing else, is widened. 
But you've got a bunch of schools in the ECAC that are IVs that don't allow fifth years. You've got a bunch of schools in the ECAC, including all the IVs, that did not play at all in the COVID year. They canceled their seasons completely. Between those two things, Matt, how much do you think that league was has been set back a little bit here? We're, you know, This is the last year we're going to have seniors that can recycle and play fifth years uh, coming out of this coming season. So it feels like that gap might narrow a little bit naturally. Yeah, I think that's going to – you'll see that both in, in men's and, and women's. But I still just go back to, you know, two seasons ago when UMD played for the national championship against Ohio State, and they began that tournament against Harvard. And uh, that wasn't a bunch of fifth years, right? That was still a bulldog yeah. team of, of mostly seniors and such and how good they were. Now, they're, they're Elizabeth, I guess – Big, big asterisk that Elizabeth Shiger was, was in her fifth year. Anna Klein was in her fifth year. So I guess you get X-factor players, and I would put Kleiner and, and Jiggy both in that category. Those were X-factor players. There's a reason that squad got to the national championship game, and and uh, if not for some fluky, weird bounces, maybe wins the national championship that year. But, um, yeah, I think that fifth-year gap will probably close some things. So, you know, Clarkson... They're able to take on fifth years and that. It wasn't big in the ECAC. Um, those are smaller private schools. Uh, they didn't have a ton of fifth years, whether it was bringing in fifth years from elsewhere or keeping players themselves for a fifth year. I think that will that's going to change everything. It's kind of been an asterisk maybe uh, you want to put on, on these past few years of, of college hockey, the, the, the impact some fifth years have had um, on the sport. It's definitely had a bigger impact on the women's game than the men's game, uh, you know, without a doubt, since, well, especially now, uh, there, there's not really a good place for, you know, players to go after, after four years. Your best option is to stay in college for a fifth year and, and keep playing hockey. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is, and, and I, you know, I, I go back to, you know, the, the, the gap is – to me, it's gotten wider, and and I and I don't. This year is not going to be any different. If you look around at, at the the transfer portal on the women's side, Matt, the WCHA is loaded again this fall. Yeah, Ohio State continued to go has continued to go all in on on the transfer portal. They're really trying to, it seems, ride this this high right that they're on right now uh, and maintain it. They're not. They're not ready, I guess, to maybe have to do a, a a rebuild, so to speak. You know, Minnesota and Wisconsin have added a few players here and there from the portal, but no one has gone in as much as Ohio State has. And it's going to be interesting, Bruce, how that, what the long-term impact of that is going to be. We've talked about it on the men's side as well. You know, North Dakota has really gone in all in on, on the transfer portal. Um, you know, that's how they've been finding goaltenders as of, as of late is uh, instead of recruiting goalies, they're, they're signing free agents. Uh, if we want to put this into, instead of drafting, they're going the free agent route. If, if you want to put this into pro terms and such. So um, that's the other thing I'm really curious to see um, a couple years out now here. What happens when schools, are unable to dip into the transfer portal for those fifth years. Are we going to see players transferring as much as, as they are after two, three seasons and and such? Um, it, 
I'm, I'm curious to see how, how that's going to go. Because we have seen, I think that's another good point when we look at this gap between the East and the West in college hockey right now, which is essentially the WCHA and everyone else um, in, in women's college hockey. We've seen a lot of players from out East transfer to, to the WCHA. Ohio State's been especially aggressive with, with landing players. Um, I don't know how the math is exactly working out there, but um, you know, NIL money uh, may be playing a part in some of these decisions. We've seen it at other other levels where you don't need a, a full scholarship if you think you can make some NIL money at at some of these these schools. I think that's happened more probably in in basketball and football. I don't know if it's going to come to hockey. Probably not to that extent. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how everything continues once we get through uh, the fifth years and we have you know one more cycle of that. DuluthNewsTribune.com, TheRinkLive.com. Matt, thank you. I will see you in a month and change at Media Day. All right. Take care, Bruce. All right, you too. Matt Wellens, Duluth News Tribune, DuluthNewsTribune.com, TheRinkLive.com to check out all their stuff. As we pause, 1028, Mike Grimm standing by the first Gopher update of the year. They're back, and then we're back. Bruce Siski Show on KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. Welcome back to our daily reports. Today we begin our 14-team Big Ten preview sponsored by Lando Lakes. We'll look at the Minnesota Golden Gophers after this. There is a land where anything is possible, where soul, soil, and science work wonders every day. A land that values bravery and curiosity, where the truth is the official language. And here, we put our all into feeding human progress, to making a positive impact. This is a land of honesty, of optimism, of possibilities. This is Land O Lakes, proud sponsor of Gopher Athletics. Tanner Hoops previews the 2023 Minnesota Golden Gophers. Coming off a 9-4 and four season in 2022, and despite graduating several key contributors, head coach P.J. Fleck is excited about the direction his team is heading in 2023. We're a pretty experienced team and inexperienced kind of combined this year, but we've taken this word poise, and I'm talking about composure and balance, you know, especially with the schedule that we have. We better be a really poised football team. We better be a composed football team. We better be confident, and we better be balanced. The strength of the Gophers' 2023 schedule has been noted, but Fleck looks at that as an opportunity for his team. On the outside sources have uh, considered our schedule uh, the second hardest schedule in America. So you know me, I like to take things and be able to give it to my team and let us process it. So we presented it to them in January, basically, and said, hey, listen, this is the second most opportunistic schedule in America, and that's the way that our team has been uh, talked to uh, since January and what we've been preparing for. The Golden Gophers open the 2023 season August 31st at home against Nebraska. That's the Golden Gopher preview. Tomorrow we'll take a look at Wisconsin on the Golden Gopher Daily Update. Sponsored by Landa Lakes, longtime supporter of Gopher football. I'm Mike Grimm. AM 610, KDAL, news, weather, sports. 10.34, Monday morning. UMV men's basketball team leaving today for its foreign trip to Spain. They're going out there for 10 days, going to get some basketball in. They'll play four games against some teams from over there. 
and uh, some practices as well. Great team-building opportunity. This is a self-funded trip. They worked uh, some, the basketball camps they do every summer, and I got some fundraising done to make this all happen. But uh, Justin Wick and the boys are on their way to Spain as of this morning. We did talk about that foreign trip with the head coach. Our summer catch-up conversation with him from like three weeks this ago, All-Star Weekend. It wasn't baseball. So close to a month ago. But that's all archived for your perusal on the podcast page at kdal610.com. Check that out. Well, whenever you feel like it, because it's there all the time. All right, coming up, plenty of the recap from the weekend. We'll do that. Check in on some baseball, some football as well. In a kind of an abbreviated weekend rewind. That's to come. After we hear from CBS News, Bruce Siski show continues on a Monday morning. It's 1036, 610, and 103.9 KDAL. The Bruce Siski Show. Mr. Tyson would like to know why is this tiger in your bathroom? Hold on, hold on. That was completely unnecessary. I, I'm a huge fan. When you knocked out Holmes, that Explain. was... On 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 10.40, Monday morning. Best of tomorrow. Dave will handle that. I am off. Uh, off? How about out? Off? Whatever. Something like that. A back Wednesday... Maybe I'll learn how to talk by Wednesday. Who knows? Uh, Then off again Thursday. Uh, Brad's on early Thursday because of the Twins playing at noon in Detroit on Thursday afternoon. So we'll be uh, here Wednesday, Friday with live shows and then away once again for an early sound off on Thursday. Uh, By the way, coming up this week, expecting to hear from the uh, UMD football uh, head coach, Kurt Weezy, coordinators, offense, Chase Vogler, defense, Trey Dill as they get their practice sessions kicked off today on campus. And uh, they start the season three weeks from Thursday at Miloski Stadium versus Northern Michigan. That'll be a 6 p.m. start Thursday, August 31st here on KDAL from UMD's Miloski Stadium. Uh, the Twins yesterday completing a weekend sweep of Arizona. Cleveland fading Outside of its players knocking out players on the White Sox over the weekend, Cleveland didn't do much as they now fall four and a half games behind the Twins in the AL Central. That is a season high division lead for the Twins. And they close out a sweep of Arizona yesterday with a dramatic 5 3 win over the Diamondbacks. That was a nothing game. Delayed two something hours by rain. I think they started at like. Three almost three thirty thereabouts, and they were supposed to start at you know one ten whatever. So that set things back obviously, but the pitchers were good. Uh, Dallas Keuchel got himself in some trouble. Yeah, he's not throwing ninety eighty seven thereabouts is what he's topping off at with that fastball. It's not it's not going to blow hitters away at this level. He's just not that kind of pitcher anymore. He's uh, he's done a better job, though, has Keuchel, of, of recognizing what he is as he's trying to launch into a major league comeback here. Yesterday, five innings, eight hits, one run, and a couple of walks, no strikeouts for Keuchel. 
Uh, Zach Gallon, the all-star starter for the National League, was good for Arizona. He went seven, allowed just a couple of runs on three hits, eight strikeouts. But then the offenses got going a little bit. Carlos Correa, two-run single off Gallon, put the Twins up 2-1 in the sixth. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., an RBI double in the seventh that tied things up. And then we go to the ninth where Christian Walker hits a solo home run off of Caleb Thielbar to give Arizona a 3-2 lead. But the Twins have a response in them. Now Max Kepler tied the game in the bottom of the ninth inning with a leadoff home run off of Arizona closer Paul Seawald acquired from Seattle in a trade one week ago today. Seawald then walks Jorge Polanco, and that brings Matt Walner up with a runner on and nobody out, and Walner hits one that I'm not convinced has landed yet. A prodigious 438-foot home run, and the Twins are walk-off winners yesterday, 5-3 over Arizona to sweep the series. They've won 5 of 6. And, yeah, I mean, I think you can say that with Cleveland, we talked about it with Brandon Warren on the radio show on Friday. If you missed it, podcast at kdal610.com. You know, the the reality was we felt pretty strongly Cleveland trading Aaron Savali to Tampa Bay for a minor league prospect – was the white flag. They traded Ahmed Rosario to the Dodgers for Noah Syndergaard, who's not going to help them down the stretch. It felt like a white flag from Cleveland, and it's not so much you know, that they lost all this talent, right? Like the, There's some teams that traded a lot of talent away at the trade deadline. Cleveland isn't necessarily one of those in terms of the volume of players that they traded. The problem is the message it sends the mentality that comes from that message is in this case largely negative you're you're telling your players we don't think you can win we don't think this team is good enough and we're done when you trade a player like Aaron Savali who was probably their best right-handed pitcher that that's that's the message and look around baseball Arizona gave a mixed message at the trade deadline to its players. Traded some guys that are really good. Brought in some guys that are maybe major league caliber players, but they're not the caliber of players they traded. And look at Arizona. They've lost six in a row. Now they're eight and a half out of first, only a game over 500. And they're a game and a half back in the wild card, a wild card race they were tied in when the trade deadline hit. Sometimes it's the message that you send in the moves that you make or the moves that you don't make. And that can throw a team for a loop. There are exceptions. Look at the Angels. They haven't won since the trade deadline. Now they're seven back in the wild card. So there are every rule has exceptions to it. But I, I think that the Twins have, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this race is over. And this should be a walkover. Now, can the Twins continue to do the things that they have to do to win ball games and make it be a walkover? Great question, because they haven't done it yet. But another good sign over the weekend against a good Arizona team that was looking to get back on the right foot. And now the Twins have a four-and-a-half game division lead, and they head to Detroit. Now, this is going to be tough, because 
The Twins did not load up with right-handed bats at the trade deadline. They have the worst offense in baseball against left-handed pitching. So they go to Detroit. Pablo Lopez, 6-6, six and six, 401 tonight against Joey Wentz, a left-hander. 2-9, 6.37. Tomorrow, 5-40. Sonny Gray, 5-4, 3-1-8. Eduardo Rodriguez, a left-hander. 7-5, 2.96 for Detroit. Wednesday, 5-40. Bailey Ober, 6-5, 3.21, undecided for the Tigers. I'd go with a lefty if I were them. Make the Twins hit your lefties. Uh, Thursday noon, Kenta Maeda for the Twins. He's been very good since coming off the injury list, and I know his numbers three and six, four point two two on the surface. They're not all that impressive, but he has been sharp since coming off the injury list. Reese Olson for the Tigers, one and five, four point nine four is his ERA. Now the Brewers split the weekend series of Pittsburgh, which isn't all that impressive. But the story yesterday in a losing effort was Brandon Woodruff. Off the injured list, his first start since April 7th. Five innings, four hits, two runs, no walks, nine strikeouts. And the Brewers couldn't do anything offensively. Johan Oviedo was great for Pittsburgh. He was changing speeds. The ball was moving all over the place. Nobody could square up on anything. He was sharp. And sometimes the pitcher's good. And the offense can't figure him out. And that's going to happen. Uh, unfortunately for the Brewers, it happens a lot. But they've got to find a way to bounce back. Colorado's in town for three starting tonight at seven. Freddie Peralta, seven and eight, four point four six. Peter Lambert for the Rockies, two and two, five point zero seven. Tomorrow, Wade Miley, six and two, three point zero one. Kyle Freeland for the Rockies, four and twelve, four point eight six. That's a seven o'clock game. Then the series will wrap up. At 1 o'clock on Wednesday, Adrian Hauser, 4-3, 4.19. Chris Flexen for the Rockies, 1-5, 7.82. The Reds have hit the skids. They've lost six in a row. The Brewers now lead the NL Central by a game and a half over a virtual tie for second between the Cubs and the Reds, who are both a game and a half out. The Cubs have won 7 of 10, took 2 out of 3 over the weekend from a terrifying Atlanta team, and... Now find themselves tied for second. They've got a percentage point lead on the Reds for the second spot. And the Brewers have to start hoping those two teams just beat the you-know-what out of each other down the stretch here. And the Brewers can find a way to win this division and get in the postseason that way. Uh, In case you're wondering, the Reds are at home to face Miami starting tonight. The Cubs are on the road to take on the rebuilding Mets starting tonight in New York City. So... Uh, The Brewers are probably smart here to not expect a lot of favors, especially from the Mets. And I believe the Brewers and Cubs might have one series left, I think, at Wrigley. And that would be it. And They're done playing the Reds. They only have, I think, three games left with the Cubs. And that'll do it for the season series against those two teams that are fighting with them for the NL Central, which means... It's going to be a whole lot of watching who you're playing and the scoreboard, that whole bit, down the stretch. 10.50. Wrap things up in a moment on the Monday morning. Prep update with Ryan Phelps is next. Bruce Siski Show, 610, 103.9 KDAL. Coast to coast. They're right there in front of us. They don't see them. Late nights on KDAL. 10.59. Finish, thing, uh, finish things off on this Monday. We are off tomorrow. I am off tomorrow. Dave will be uh, sitting in very ably with the best of for you tomorrow. 
couple of archived interviews from the past of the radio show. Uh, we are back on Wednesday with a full show guest list TBD for Wednesday at 10. Join us then. Brad is up next along with Kenny for Sound Off. Have a great Monday and thank you for listening, everybody. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No, yes, no, well, no, I, I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What'd you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. This is your home for the Minnesota Timberwolves. 103.9 W280 FDFM and AM 610 KDAL Duluth Superior.